1: You will learn that name. You will remember it.
0: And now, the stud is here. Alright folks, welcome in David Summers hosting another Studcast with the Tennessee Stud, Ron Fuller. It's the only podcast on the planet documenting the real story of professional wrestling. It's 100 years of real, rich wrestling history as told by the Stud. Please welcome the originator of the Studcast and the man who changed the podcasting world with the Super Studcast. We step back into the ring, back into time with the Tennessee stud stud ron fuller hey stud what's going on
1: oh man it's great Dave. uh really really good man just loving it uh, every day in the mountains is a beautiful thing <laughs> you know, it's strange uh, every time you look at them they look different i understand how that happens but uh i'm beginning to figure out that Wow, Uh, this is truly God's country here, man, that I live
0: in. That's exactly what I was thinking. So, listen, you're doing so well with the YouTube channel. Southeastern Rewind on YouTube is really ratcheting up the business. As a matter of fact, you you are doing so well on this thing. There's another huge weekend ahead. Two weeks ago, fans watched a vintage 1978 Southeastern TV show last weekend, the outstanding review with Les Thatcher and, and you of course on that tremendous TV show. Tell fans what they miss by the way, if they have not subscribed to your YouTube Southeastern rewind channel, Ron.
1: Well, uh, last week is an example and you brought that up, which is great. Uh, you know, the, that review that Les did of that Southeastern TV show from 1978. We broke down that show, Dave. Uh, we uh, We got into all the things that we had created to make Southeastern's TV production the world's best at that time. Undoubtedly, nobody was doing what we were doing. We talked about the animated show's opening, the personality profile's animated opening, instant replays, the bumpers between matches and interviews, the matches themselves, we even talked about the unique history of some of the wrestlers that were on that show, like uh, Ted Allen, as an example, who trained Art Anderson <laughs> and the Big Boss Man. And you know, I mean, uh, so you know, we really got into a whole lot of things. I think fans are really getting interested in the in these videos. We shot that video, by the way, from uh, Tom Pritchard's and uh, his uh wrestling school in Knoxville, Tennessee.
0: Oh, that's cool, Glenn
1: Abbott. Glenn Abbotts and Tom Pritchard's wrestling school, so they were kind enough to let us sit on the apron of the ring and uh, recorded that show, and these so are just having a whole lot of fun with it, man. And uh, it's uh, it's really getting big, Dave.
0: No, no <laughs> really doubt blowing up, absolutely. Now, stud. So you've got the biggest news so far about what is coming next. Break it down for us.
1: Okay. Well, actually, Dave, it's two events that uh that are
0: one of them is already there.
1: Already on the channel is this introduction that was shot in December of 1987, 34 years ago, on a Continental Championship set um, with Gordon Soley. And uh, I was officially, in this video, retired from professional wrestling. And uh, and then uh, the, the, the big news was that uh, that we were going to, me and Gordon, open up a new show. Uh, it was... Uh, you know, called the uh, USA Championship Wrestling. It was going to begin uh, later on, uh, early in 1988, and uh, we, it was a, it was really a nice piece, about seven minutes long, and uh, you know, it, it pretty much explains everything that's about to happen again. Oddly enough, that video from 34 years ago is appropriate today. <laughs> that's crazy, but uh, next Sunday. We're going to uh, going to be the biggest day yet for Southeastern Rewind, the U- YouTube channel. It'll be the first ever USA wrestling TV show in its entirety with Gordon Soley and myself. Wow. Uh, and it was shown originally in February of 1988. It's the same TV show we're producing next Sunday. It's going to be on the YouTube channel Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. August the 15th, 2021.
0: Hey, and right there, let me just say, there's a tease. And I saw this earlier today, you and Gordon Soley from way back when, and it's already on the channel and it's already racking up the spins.
1: That's it. It's it's there for everybody that wants to go there. Now you can see that. And then coming Sunday, we're going to put on the first USA TV show, the first of 25 and a new one's going to be released every Sunday. And as I've been promising to all the fans here, they're all going to be shown in the actual sequence in which they were produced. And fans can watch these. And when they do, they're going to see for themselves the importance of watching television programs in order so that you can get all the storylines and the angles in each show. It's really what made old school wrestling great. Uh, You know, uh, uh, everybody was trying to do that back in the day. They don't do it anymore. Uh, there's no continuity to what happens <laughs> anymore, but it was all continuity back in those days. And we talk about it on every Studcast day that we talk about the angles, the long feuds with the different types of matches, mm-hmm. uh, which is called programs. Basically the information that made it critical as a fan so that you didn't want to miss a single TV show. You wanted to see what was going to happen next week. So, I invite fans who have watched wrestling TV shows for years on YouTube, uh, but all of them out of sequence. Right. (laughs) And and really thought that these were great and they really enjoyed it uh, to take a look at what's going to happen on uh, Southeastern Rewind because USA, this ride on Southeastern USA TV uh, is going to be uh, in sequence and it's going to make fans become real professional wrestling.
0: Hey, listen, and they, I want to mention this, too. I've seen Southeastern shows on YouTube, and it just drives me cr- crazy because they're blurry. The audio is not very good, but that is not the case with these.
1: These are good quality, excellent quality for the old the age that they are. And I'm really, really proud of that, being able to lay my hands on these shows. Uh, and I got to thank a guy named Bo James for a lot of this that uh, that recorded A lot of these himself, way, way back in the day. And uh, these 25 TV shows that are going to come out with USA Wrestling, it's going to have stars like Bob Armstrong and his two sons, Scott and Steve. Austin Idol is going to be on there. Uh, One of the strongest men in the world, a guy named Doug Furness, a University of Tennessee football player that uh, goes on to become one of Japan's greatest stars. Uh, It's going to have the Rich Boys, Tommy Rich, Johnny Rich, Davey Rich. It's going to have a young Todd Morton, uh, you know, uh, even that family uh, and their rivals. The Mongolian Stomper is going to be on this. Moondog Rex, uh, you know, and they're all managed. Those two are going to be managed by the legendary manager himself, Ron Wright. So, you know, fans are going to get to see a taste of Ron Wright 25 weeks in a row. Superstar Bill Dundee's on these. The RPM team, which is a great tag team combination, they're on these. Buddy Landale is on these. Uh, one of the Mexico's greatest family members, the Guerreros, Hector Guerrero is on these shows. Uh, it, these shows are really, really amazingly good, and I just want to want to tell fans that uh, you know this is this is it's all happening. Finally, now we're putting on real live TV shows, <laughs> and I think they're all going to be amazed with these
0: programs. I think you said you were in your 30s. I was a little younger than that back then. But listen, we were at that time as as spectators and fans, we were like, holy cow, look at all these guys that are on this USA wrestling. So, Uh, the thing is, I can't believe you had all of these stars in USA wrestling back then. You really were one of the best creators of wrestling TV shows and territory. So it's no wonder that your wrestling companies were so successful. So now you're rewinding all that wonderful wrestling history again for fans around the world. And there's no doubt they're going to come right back.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's my feeling anyway, Dave. And, uh, And I keep saying it's only the beginning because that's just exactly what it is. Uh, Still to come, after we finish with these 25 USA shows and they're all up and permanently on the channel, then there's going to come 100-plus episodes of Continental Championship Wrestling, all in sequence. One of the largest and best wrestling companies in the world. Fifth largest, to be exact, in its time frame. Uh, So then uh, finally... The last piece of the puzzle is going to be the Southeastern Pensacola. Uh, at least 100 of those world-class TV shows from 1982, 83, 84, uh, all in sequence. And, uh, you know, I can just uh, – all I can do is encourage fans, man, to get settled up now. If you haven't subscribed, you need to get <laughs> to subscribing right now. And uh, you will need to start by seeing what's already on there, that 1978 show. This uh, promo that uh, me and uh, Gordon Soley just did, that's the last thing on there. You want to see the Rick, you want to see the, the two Funk brothers, Dory and Terry, <laughs> uh, in a video uh, that's never been seen before. Uh, so much stuff going on already on the YouTube channel. And uh, just, uh, uh, I just can't wait for fans uh, to, to get to see a lot more of it.
0: Oh, no doubt. I'm excited, too. And and, Hey, I I, I was looking at some of the videos today. Of course, you're 6'9", at your prime. Gordon Soley had to be close to six feet tall. How how tall was Gordon Soley?
1: Gordon was uh, probably a 5'11", maybe.
0: Okay, I knew that you you didn't just tower over him. You were obviously a full head taller than Gordon Sully. So uh, anyway, I've never I've met him one time, but that's been a number of years back. Rest his soul. But anyway, it's so fun to watch those and to listen. I'm sure that Studcast fans are as excited as I am. It's it's easy to saddle up. So you go to YouTube.com, Southeastern Rewind, subscribe now, and ring the bell. There are already tons of things there for you to see and hear before next Sunday. And be ready when the first-ever USA Wrestling TV show airs at 3 p.m. Eastern time with the legendary Gordon Soley and you, Stud, Ron Fuller.
1: Oh man! Well, I, I, I'm I'm excited about it too, Dave. Uh, and uh, and I, I want to thank everybody, uh, you know, that's already subscribed, and uh, and I want to urge those fans that haven't subscribed yet to go ahead and do it now, because you don't want to miss these first ones. I, I think it's so important to get on the get saddled up and be on that first ride with USA Wrestling. And uh, once you get to the second or third week, you're going to go, "Wow, I love watching wrestling this way." This is the way it was meant to be done.
0: All right. That's a cool deal, and everybody's going to dig that this coming Sunday. All right, stud, where do we ride to today?
1: Well, in today's, we're going to wear the, the owner's, owner's hat again. And then, you know, and I found out just three days before the matches that we're going to be discussing in this stud cast that something major had just happened in Gulf Coast Wrestling. And, you know, and it was the territory that's just to my south at that time frame uh, where my cousins, the Fields Brothers, uh, Bobby Lee, Don Fields, had been operating for 19 years. So uh, our focus today is on July 29, uh, uh, 1977. This show is all about that in the Southeastern Garden in the Knoxville Amphitheater that night. This one had seven events in it, uh, which is... Uh, it makes it the, the second, uh, only second show in the summer to have that many events in it. And uh, I'd ended up with the Friday night before as a lumberjack for the Jola Duke and Mongolian Stomper match. And I end up in the ring with my fuller leg lock on the Stomper. So, uh, you know, it's <laughs> been seven weeks since my last match with the Stomper. And uh, on that last match, I'd gotten hurt by Ron, Mr. Knoxville, Ronnie Garvin. And I was out for five weeks with another neck injury. So this time... I won, I got five minutes with Gorgeous George. We're going to discuss the results of that card, the card itself. We're going to talk about the attendance. And in today's learning tree, we got another great question. We talk about this hole all the time. A gentleman asked, because of your shooting background, is there an escape to the sugar hole?
0: all right so it sounds like another big stud cast ahead i'm already getting fired up for this thing and wondering about what happened in gulf coast wrestling down in my part of the country that that would be interesting news to me as far as you in knoxville if you were talking about that in in july of 77 so i hope that's i hope that's where we're going to begin
1: well it certainly is man uh you know uh I know you lived down there, man, in 1977,
0: didn't mm-hmm. you? Yes, I did. Yeah, no doubt.
1: And uh, you know, I know that you started in your your radio career, man. Yeah. Back in I, uh, 1977.
0: I did indeed, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So uh, you know, uh, uh, so this is a good time frame. I think this is going to be a very interesting program. And uh, you know, someone sent me newspaper clipping from Mobile, and uh, and it happened to arrive on the day. Of that match, July 29th of 1977, we're going to be wrestling that night in chill High Park, and uh, we'll be discussing that match later on in the program. So I hope listeners remember. Let's go back. Uh, let's talk about the four weeks ago. I'd recently spent four weeks on my father's ranch in Bolivar, Tennessee, and uh, we were discussing finding a, a kind of a down and out territory to purchase to start another wrestling company, and uh, the. The discussion had been entirely about Ohio as the target for this. So until this newspaper article arrived, I had no idea what bad shape the three brothers, the Fields brothers down there on the Gulf Coast territory. I had no idea that uh, their territory was as down as it was. And this article uh, meant that 19 years after they bought this territory from my dad, they were closing the best city in their territory. It was like, wow, They closed in Mobile. So so the city of Mobile was a tremendous wrestling city, had an illustrious history in wrestling. My father had made it the center and actually the home of his first territory in 1954 when he was a young guy and developed that whole Gulf Coast area. And he had made an extremely valuable connection with the general manager, a guy named C.P. Person, on Channel 5. And that happened to be the home of wrestling Mobile. And I think that was the station that they lost on this date. So my father had built the city of Mobile into a tremendous wrestling city. In 1958, Dave, he drew 40,000 people in the last Memorial Football Stadium to watch him wrestle Mario Oh, <laughs> no. in one of the bloodiest <laughs> matches of all time. Yes. <laughs> well, no the don't. pictures of it are just, uh, yeah. wow, yeah. it's painful to see the pictures. Yes. <laughs> so, so my father and I had been to, been so focused on Ohio as the expansion territory that we wanted to get uh, close to Knoxville that we hadn't even considered an alternative. And uh, me seeing this article about the closing of Mobile, it got my attention. And so I got right away, I got on the phone and I talked to dad. I said, do you know that they closed Mobile? He goes, what do you mean they close Mobile? And I said, they, they, they no longer, I don't, I guess, have the TV. Or even if they do, they're not drawn enough to people to keep Mobile open. Hmm. So, uh, you know, but he was still sent. His attention was focused on Ohio. And he had already been talking to several TV stations in Ohio at that point, trying to gauge their interest before picking one of those stations for us to go make a presentation to. Take the Southeastern TV show, sit down with the management of the station and uh, so that they could compare what the Sheik's talent in production was compared to what I was doing in Southeastern in 1977. There was really no comparison. Uh, We both knew it, my dad and I both. But wrestling in Ohio was so dead that very few TV stations even wanted, considered putting wrestling on the air anymore, no matter what the quality of the TV production was. So I was determined, man, to start my second company. I wanted to duplicate what I had done with Southeastern for the first time since This thought had crossed my mind. I now had two possibilities of going north or going south instead of just the one.
0: Did you make a trip to Gulf Coast Wrestling right away to see what the possibilities were?
1: No, I didn't. And and, uh, you know, my father was pushing hard, so hard for Ohio, and uh, and I just got this news about Mobile. I got to thinking first of all that you know there had to be a reason that they closed Mobile that they had you know that uh, maybe it was the only city in their territory that kind of got bad, or maybe it was those because they simply lost their TV station, and they were trying to find another TV station to get back on. So, uh, but I also at the same time, man, uh, you remember, Dave, I was there for four weeks, and, And then I came home. I'd been home for a couple of weeks now. I'd had a couple of matches. uh, Mm -hmm. And I was so glad to be back in Knoxville and back in the ring again after this four-week layoff. And I was enjoying my success at this time frame. I wasn't so honed in on, I got to have this territory right now. Uh, I I was really psyched, man, seeing this big amphitheater packed week after week. And all these buildings and gyms everywhere we went to wrestle, they were sold out. But so sold out that sometimes they had more people outside than they had inside
0: wow yeah it
1: was just crazy you know i mean uh, wrestling was absolutely on fire so the bottom line was i was even more determined to do something because of this success but i was kind of in a holding pattern i was waiting basically for a place to land man.
0: i can understand that and i can hardly wait until we all find out where this expansion is going I think a lot of folks are going to be ready to hear about that so where do we ride to next Dud?
1: so we're, we're going into the Chile Park amphitheater for another crazy night man they've been crazy there for weeks almost the entire summer uh, we're in there on July 29th 1977. there's seven events on this card and uh, uh, so let's let's talk about this card. Uh, Ron Wright was on the card again uh, first match against George McCre. The second match had a famous tag team wrestler and a former uh, AWA, uh, that's Ganya's territory of Minnesota, former AWA tag champion, returning by himself to Southeastern. Uh, he was in the big Southeastern tag tournament seven weeks before this stud cast and before the date of this match, and he was part of the fabulous Kangaroos. Uh, his name was Al Costello. He was a great old veteran, and he was going to be with me in southeastern for a while. And you could never have too many wrestlers of his caliber and experience, man, yeah. uh, in your crew. He was—he was, he was really—I was lucky to get this guy, Al Costello. On his first night in, was facing Jerry Stubbs in the second match. Tony Charles was again taking on the pro. Uh, their matches had been spectacular. Uh, Joe LaDuke, Duke on this card is doing double duty. He's going to finish that demonstration with the 10 men trying to pull his hands apart in that tug of war in which the stomper attacked him in the middle of the deal, uh, which was about a month earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, and when that was done, you know, that match, when he gets through doing this, this uh, tug of war with 10 men, then he's going to wrestle Uh, Sylvester Stallone, the junkyard dog. (laughs) Joe's got a big night. Uh, Robert Fuller and Bob Armstrong, they had won the four-man elimination tag match from last week. Those who listen to the Studcasts, and by virtue of that win, they're getting, in this week's card, the Southeastern Tag Team Championship match against the champions, Mr. Knoxville, Bob Orton Jr. The main event was not a title match, but it had a really interesting special stipulation. I was facing the stomper because of what had happened the week before where I ended up in the ring uh, in a lumberjack match with my l- fuller leg lock on the <laughs> Mongolian Stomper. Not even in the in the match at all. Shouldn't have been there, but uh, I ended up there. And although I didn't get the title shot in this one, I did have a chance in a special stipulation to uh, to work over Gorgeous George Jr. If I won the match, I got five minutes with Gorgeous George Jr. alone in the ring.
0: If I beat the star. <laughs> That's pretty fun. All right, before we move on, I'm going to say you inadvertently just called Sylvester Ritter Sylvester Stallone, and we're <laughs> only we're only familiar with three Sylvesters in our life. One was a cartoon cat. So, yeah. all right, so yeah, all right. But Ron, you've done it again. It's a great card. Another tug of war. I'm sure it was to prove Joe LaDuke could have won the first one on TV. Plus, a tag title match with you. With an opportunity to get five minutes alone with Gigi, baby.
1: Yes. Yes. I mean, crazy. You know, and uh, seven events in, the, in all. I mean, that's counting this big tug of war. And uh, that had only happened one other time in the summer of 1977.
0: I think it's a matter of fact, I think it's the time uh, time for the TV show for Saturday, July 23rd of 77. So how does the show open on that day?
1: Well, this one opens with Les running down the TV lineup, as usual, for the day. And uh, then the still shot of the day is behind them. And uh, when the cameras back away, there sits my brother Rob and uh, Bob Armstrong. And uh, the shot on the cameras uh, is, uh, is uh, those two guys with their hands in the air, having won an elimination tag match with Bob Orton Jr. and Mr. Knoxville, and getting the rights to... Wrestle them now for the Southeastern Tag Championship, so uh, you know uh, the bit, you know, and so uh, the video is being backed up after this still shot, the, and uh, they're already talking with Les, and it showed them eliminating Bob Borden Jr. in this elimination match, and Rob just sent him flying into a big right hand, one of uh, Bob Armstrong's what's becoming known in uh, Southeastern as the Jaw Jacker. Man. <laughs> He jacked uh, Orton Jr.'s jaw, and Orton went down like the drill in the deep oil well, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the ref counted him out. And uh, and, uh, so the match was still in progress. You know, it wasn't over because it's an elimination match. And in order to win the elimination match, both guys on that team had to be defeated. So it was now, at this point in that match, Mr. Knoxville against Robert and Bob. So the referee, and the they video showing this, the referee was rolling an unconscious, Bob Burton Jr., to the edge of the ring. And we always had these ring attendants uh, at the matches. And the, the ring attendants came down. They saw that he's not going to be able to make it back to the dressing room. They're going to help him to the dressing room. So Bob was the legal guy in the ring, and Mr. Knoxville was obviously the only guy left on their team. So he's the legal guy in the ring. So uh, Mr. Knoxville made a big dash across the ring at Bob, but instead of locking up with him or doing something to him, he just kind of slid between Bob's legs and underneath the bottom rope and out on the concrete, and he just uh, went over and grabbed (laughs) Bob Horton Jr.'s body from the two guys and hefted it over his shoulder and started carrying him to the dressing room.
0: What? What? (laughs) <laughs> yeah
1: that's, that's his way of uh, finishing this match you
0: know okay, i'm done so, yeah <laughs> uh,
1: yeah and then on his way you know it shows in the video on his way he stops and he thumbs his nose at rob and uh, and bob armstrong and uh then you know he keeps ca- carrying Orton toward the dressing room and uh, and then he thumbs his nose at, at all the crowd you know and and uh, the boy, the huge crowd, man, they let him know their opinion what, what, of his cowardice, man. That amphitheater erupted in booze, man. And the referee started his 10 count end the match. You know, Knoxville's obviously going to leave the ring. He's mm-hmm. going to carry his his unconscious buddy with him. And, you know, so what's the ref going to do? So he starts the 10 count. And the closer Mr. Knoxville gets to the dressing room, the louder the booze become in that amphitheater, you know. <laughs> Hmm. and then he stops at the end you know and uh, just as the ref was counting 10 uh, in concert at that point with the huge crowd they started counting with the ref about the count of five and they were doing it with the ref and then uh so mr knoxville stops he turns around and orton's still hanging over his shoulder and he thumbs his nose again at the, everybody the entire arena the hell will all of you and uh, boy uh, as soon as he disappeared into the dress room, boy, all those boos turned to cheers, man, <laughs> for the victors that were still in the ring. Yeah. Uh, studio erupted just like the huge crowd in the amphitheater, and Bob and Rob, they thanked everybody, and they made sure that everybody knew that that was it. They won the elimination match, and they were destined to get this Southeastern Tag Team Championship shot uh, six nights later in, in the amphitheater. And uh, Les confirmed it, and the studio celebrated with them, and uh, they went straight to the ring for the first match. And wow, in this match, they were on fire. Uh, Rob finished his man with a fuller leg lock, and Bob finished his with, with that old jaw jacker man, that big right hand, and the studio crowd loved it. And both of them then went back to the set. Mr. Knoxfield and Bob Orton Jr., they were in Studio B. The interviews were very personal. These, the the mm. interviews they both had, both teams had, they, this situation was very personal between the four of them. And uh, all their matches had been extremely competitive, especially the ones for the championship. So fans knew following Friday night that there's going to be a, a lot different from the night before in which Garvin hefted his partner over his shoulder and left without getting beat. That you know, they knew there was going to be a struggle for these belts, and uh, when the belts were on the line between these four, there was uh, probably going to be next week maybe more than one guy carried out of the ring. <laughs> so, so second up, Joe LaDuke, Duke man, he hit the studio man, and uh, he brought his big axe with him that day, and uh, and he took on two wrestlers as he was normally doing on every TV match, and he beat both of them with his bear hook. And, uh, and then he went to the set, joined Les and he and Les talked briefly about his special event the following Friday when he was going to put the, put five men on each side of him and, uh, and let them hook those, uh, ropes to his arms, his biceps and, uh, him lock his hands and see if, uh, 10 men could pull his hands apart. And it was the same feat of strength that he was about to accomplish a month earlier when the stomper hit the ring and, uh, and kind of busted him up. And so uh, Joe had a ring attendant bring his ropes to the set, you know, the same ropes that he's going to use in the tug of war, and he showed them again the list and uh, kind of explained to the fans how this is going to work, put one of them on his bicep. And, uh, you know, then Joe finished by saying he had asked the Southeastern officials that if he could he finish that tug of war that he had started, a month ago and it had been uh, interrupted by the interference of this of the stomper so Les threw it to the commercial and when it came back live Joe was sitting still at the set and those thick ropes were laying on the top of the desk in front of him and Les asked Joe what he thought of this new big man that called himself the junkyard dog that was going to be his next opponent for Friday night
0: hmm.
1: and uh so Joe, you know, Joe's having a good time. He's enjoying himself, you know. So he says, you know, after the tug of war, he said, he's going to pull the teeth out of the junkyard dog <laughs> to, to worry about his bite. Yeah. And he said, yeah. then he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drag him around, take these big ropes. And, you know, I'm, and he still had him laying on the desk. I'm going to take one of these ropes. And he says, I'm going to wrap it around his throat. And I'm going to drag him around the ring and then I'm going to hang him <laughs> And the crowd popped, uh, but it wasn't for long, because out of nowhere, man, here here came the big old junkyard dog, man, and and, uh, I mean, and Joe had his back turned to him, he was talking to Les, and he was still laughing and joking, the crowd was still laughing about his little joke, and uh, all of a sudden, man, he got it blasted from behind, the junkyard dog nailed him, and and then he grabbed the back of his head, and he slammed him face first into that desk that... uh, that they everybody set behind once they went to the set mm-hmm. and uh then he grabbed those one of those uh thick ropes off the desk and he wrapped it around joe's head and he pounded joe's head with a couple of shots with a fist and joe started to bleed right there on the set then he started Les. us just jumped up from his seat he backed away and he started screaming he didn't know what to do you know <laughs> i mean junkyard dogs doing a doing a job on LaDuke, and he started screaming for help. Hey, hey, somebody help me, He's here. And, uh, you know, so then Junkyard Dog started dragging LaDuke toward the ring, the studio ring, <laughs> and Robert and Tony Charles and Bob Armstrong, they all came out to, to stop it, and the Junkyard Dog kind of disappeared uh, around the crowd and mm-hmm. back into the dressing room. Yeah. And all three of them helped Joe to his feet, Les threw it, uh, to the pre-recorded personality profile. You know, while the order was kind of restored in the studio, uh, this was kind of at a loss how to what I do here, man. So.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, and obviously, again, certainly unexpected in this situation, Ron. Usually things don't get wild that early in the show. But you're, you're really keeping fans on the edge of their seats. I guess that's because this was the last week in the July ratings period. Could I be right on that?
1: Oh, yeah, man. You and you know, old Mr. Pickles, I guess you're riding him again today. You know? I <laughs> think y'all pretty well got this stuff figured out, man. But, you know, as with all shows, it's not over yet. Man.
0: So. Yeah, I had a feeling. So, hey, I, I got an idea. Let's take a quick break. We'll uh, stand up a little bit and stretch our legs, and we'll be back before some more crazy stuff happens. Don't leave. This stud cast will continue right here. The stud has just received a great souvenir for his fans. They've been requesting these for years. Fans everywhere have asked him for a replica of his Tennessee stud mask. As with everything he does, these masks are not replicas. They're exactly like the ones he wore. They're handmade, meticulously cut leather of the facial outline, the T and S initials on the forehead, and the horse's head on each side of the mask. Each individual piece is hand-sewn exactly where they were on his mask. When you get these, you're getting the exact same mask that he became famous for. Order yours now at tnstud.com. Click Stud Store and get your piece of the Tennessee Stud. Only $40, and that includes free shipping. Hey, y'all, welcome back once again. David Summers with the Tennessee Stud, Ron Fuller, about to go into the personality profile that we were talking about moments ago. But before we do, let's mention YouTube once again and Southeastern Rewind on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe so you miss nothing. Ring the bell. You'll get the reminders because some major things are going to be happening. And again, this weekend on Southeastern Rewind. On YouTube. All right, stud. Let's get right to that personality profile.
1: All right, Uh, you know when we ended there, uh, it was the 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 last interview, second interview of the show, and uh, all of that, uh, all hell kind of broke loose for less on the set. Thank goodness this personality profile wasn't live, or we would have probably had to stop the stop the uh, tapes and uh, sit until we uh, can get control and uh, get ready again. But this one had been pre-recorded. So it opened up, obviously, uh, just like it was being done originally. And Les was joined in it by George George Jr. and the Mongolian Stomper. And uh, Les and Gigi, obviously, were sitting in the big chairs. And the Stomper was behind Gigi. He had on his southeastern belt. And he was pumping that big old huge truck shock, man. Uh, He never stopped. I don't know how he could do it. And behind all three... These guys were the still shot of me. It was uh, my fuller leg lock on the stopper, and uh, Les less welcome GG in the stopper. And uh, GG kind of took it from there, man. He he told Les right off, you know, he wasn't. He said I'm. It wasn't necessary for Les to fake any feelings about him. <laughs> so, <laughs> Gigi Re- had things having really? mental problems at this point you know, <laughs> because of all the things that's happened to him lately. Uh-huh. You know, so he told Les. You know, Les welcomed him, and I guess he didn't like the fact he'd been welcomed, and he he said right off, you know, it ain't necessary for you to fake your feelings about me, Les. You know, and he said uh, he said I really no longer care what anybody thinks about me, and he says uh and uh, right into and he got right into this uh, huge photo on the set behind him, you know. And he and he asked Les. He says, uh, "You know, can maybe you can explain to me, Les Thatcher, uh, why Ron Fuller, who's not even in the match, is in this ring alone with my Mongolian stomper, who is in the match, and he's trying to break his leg? What's he doing there? Mm-hmm. You know?" So Les tried to explain it. You know, as he says, you know, Ron was one of the lumberjacks, you know, stationed around the ring to keep your stomper in the ring. And uh, Gigi interrupted again right away saying, well, if, if, if I was there on the floor, if he's out there to, uh, you know, take care of doing uh, the stomper back into the ring. Then why is he inside the ring trying to break his leg? <laughs> <laughs> it keeps going back to the same point, which is a pretty good point. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: oh, you oh, noticed? Why am I there? Right? Oh, you noticed that? Did you? Okay. Yeah. Well, in a way,
1: yes, I certainly did. You know. So, uh, so yes. Les again tried to explain that Joe Leduc, who was supposed to be in the ring, was also being attacked by three men. On the outside, and mm-hmm. it, that was about what was in the video at that point. He says, "There's Mr. Knoxville, Bob Orton Jr., and the junkyard dog, all stomping Joe Laduke into the concrete over there, <laughs> while while Ron's in the ring putting the toehold hold on, on your man." So uh, you know, they <laughs> it was a pretty good, that pretty good answer, you know. And uh, so then Gigi attacked again. So he asked Les again to explain something else, you know. He says, uh, "Okay." Because, because that being the case, and of all people, you know, why is it that Ron Fuller is getting this match against my stomper, you know? <laughs> and uh, before Les could speak, you know, he started to, but uh, he he ZG and and just stops it again, and he and he, and then he says, you know, and Thatcher, he says it's even more absurd uh, uh, the fact that, that that if he beats my Mongolian stomper. He gets five minutes alone
0: with me. Oh, details, know? details. Come on. Yeah, yeah, Well, I think Les
1: is probably thinking that too, you know? Yeah, right. So, but, but then
0: he said right away,
1: and he said, you know, I, I got to remind you, Les. He goes, I'm a manager, not a wrestler. You know, he says, last week, he said, wasn't bad enough what they're doing to me now. But last week, he said, I've never been so humiliated in all my life when Bob Armstrong <laughs> came out here and they let him show this tape of all the horrible things that he had done to me, mm-hmm. you know? He, and he said, you can't imagine the suffering I, 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 I had at the hands <laughs> of, of that imbecile Armstrong. He's getting upset now, right? You know? And he says, uh, now, you know, he continued on. He said this week, he goes, I'm not a wrestler, only a manager, but he goes, if my man gets beat, I'm being thrown to the wolves. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, if my stomper loses, you know, I had to endure five minutes in the ring with another imbecile, Ron and, Fuller.
0: And, and who wants that? Everybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, let's try to interrupt Gigi. Uh, you know, but uh, Gigi's just on a roll at this point, and he's got his ire up, man. He's all mad now, and he's he said he was now he was going to turn his stomper completely loose. He says that he's going to no longer be responsible for what happened to wrestlers like Ron Fuller or Bob Armstrong or Joe LeDuc, he said, next Friday night, his stomper was going to beat me so badly that even if his stomper won the match and didn't lose it, he said, I'm going to go ahead and get in the ring and I'm going to finish Juan Fuller off. I'm going to personally hurt him bad. <laughs> so mm. now he's saying he's going to be a so he's ready for it. So, you know, then he says, if I do that, he goes, if I hurt somebody, he says, maybe less Then this Southeastern wrestling is going to see the folly of their ways, you know? So <laughs> let's start it again. But Gigi got right up and he, he was done. He did the stomper followed him and they walked off the set. Les was obviously upset, but he closed that profile by himself. <laughs> they had no choice. So third match comes on and boy, it was a great one. Tony Charles. Met the guy that he'd been dealing with for two weeks straight, man, the pro. And uh, this was a main event match on TV anywhere in the world, man. These two guys were both tremendous athletes, both great wrestlers, had a tremendous wrestling match. They wrestled for 15-minute time limit draw, most unusual on a television show. And when they finished, everybody in that studio was on their feet. It was a tremendous match. And uh, their matches were beginning, man, to heat up and uh, – and, uh, you know, they could tell you could tell that because they both had the next interview. And then the interview is pretty obvious that uh, it's not fun and games for those two guys anymore. <laughs> so I finished the show uh, in the last match. It was my first TV match in two months there. And uh, since and it had been it, it had been since I lost the TV championship to the Stomper, the night that Mr. Knoxville sent me to the hospital since I had wrestled on TV. So I went to the set with Les for the last interview after I won the match uh, with the Fuller Toho. and uh, Gigi and the Stomper were in Studio B. Joe LaDuke came out, and uh, he had a bloody towel still. He was still trying to get his forehead to stop bleeding because LaDuke uh, had a lot of scar tissue. It was easy for him to be cut, and it was he was a real bleeder. Wow. And he promised the fans. That uh, that punk rock, the punk yard dog, not the
0: junkyard <laughs> dog.
1: And that's what he called it. He said it was gonna to have to leave, gonna have his last match in the southeastern area come Friday night. He said that he was going to win the ten man tug of war and then he was gonna put one of those ropes around that punk yard dog's throat. And he said, I'm going to throw him over the top rope and hang him there and choke him out of the South.
0: <laughs> so,
1: so, yeah. uh, so G- it was kind of Gigi's turn, man. And uh, so he kept his storyline, same as the profile. He promised that win or lose, he was a better man than me. And he was going to hurt me bad in that special five minutes match afterward. Well, wow. you know,
0: wow. basically,
1: now he's saying, even if his stomper wins, he's going to. Give me the five minutes.
0: Oh, <laughs> so, oh! So
1: he's really gotten a lot tougher, man, in this program. So hmm. I closed it out with the fact that seven weeks earlier <laughs> I was TV champion, and my championship was on the line against the Southeastern belt of the Stomper, and uh, both whoever won that match was going to be get both belts, the belt and the TV trophy. And I got hurt by someone that wasn't even in the match, Mr. Knoxville. Uh. And I had thought of nothing else in the last seven weeks but getting my chance at the Stomper again. So now it was here, and I was going to get more than just my chance. I was going to get that pretty pretty little daddy's boy, gorgeous George Jr., alone for five minutes. And, th- and unlike the small task and the non-physical things Bob Armstrong had done with him the week before, I said, imagine what
0: I'm going to do to him. <laughs> so the studio popped. Um, wow! All right, so 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 much happening at one time on every southeastern TV show back then, Ron. It's no wonder the the large audience each week is coming in for these incredible shows. Everybody is real wrestling history that you're talking about here. All right. So I think it's time for the results of this same great card for July 29th of
1: 77. Great. So, uh, let's go with the first match. George McCrary, uh, who had, was a famous, actually, he was one of the best NCAA amateur wrestlers in America Had all these amateur skills. He he was no match for the number one hillbilly though. (laughs) Ron Wright opened up the night, man, with a good old Tennessee dog whooping. Yeah, boy. <laughs> on George McCrary, man. He, he got the night started off right. Uh, then the newcomer and the world-famous Al Costello of fabulous kangaroos uh, got his first win in Southeastern against a fast-improving wrestler that's headed for startup. That was Jerry Stubbs, who is going to be the future Mr. Olympia, uh, going to have a phenomenal career. Uh, Tony Charles continued his undefeated run against uh, against Doug Gilbert. They had wrestled to a time limit on TV, but they didn't wrestle to a time limit the following Friday night. Tony Charles got him. Another one of those English throws, man. It mm-hmm. was absolutely amazing. Wow. Uh, Joe Duke successfully wowed the crowd, man, in the 10-man tug of war uh, with the fans from the audience again. Ten fans were selected. And this time, there was no interference. And this time it was obvious that he did not, they couldn't pull his hands apart in 10 seconds. He might have gone 12 or 15 seconds, actually, before they actually made him stop. The crowd had barely had enough time to show their appreciation for that feat of strength, man, which it really is an amazing thing to see. 10 guys can't pull a guys' hands apart. Uh, and about the time the fans were trying to show their appreciation, the old junkyard dog man raced down to the ring to take advantage, man, of a, a tired joel I mean, it's pretty strenuous. Yeah, yeah. Something like that, and you're really tired. So the junkyard dog realized that I better go get him now, man, because <laughs> he's hard to get anyway. So and when he did, man, uh, you know, uh, he, he took over. You know, the dog got himself a bone for a couple of minutes, man. But before long, the big old Canadian man, he began to take the bone Take the bone away, and boy, then take the dog apart. So, uh, and true to his word, just like LeDuc said on the interview this Saturday before, LeDuc managed to get one of those ropes uh, from the tug of war uh, around the the dog's throat, and he hung him from the top rope Uh-oh. until Uh-oh. Tony Charles and Ron Wright had to go out there and pull Joe off, like he was a madman. Wow, he was gonna kill. He was gonna kill Sylvester. Ritter, so. And it was the last match Sylvester Ritter ever had in southeastern.
0: Really? Wait. He,
1: last what? Last yeah. time he ever wrestled in southeastern. Wow. And the General Duke almost killed him. Wow. And, and he was carried from the ring, but it was the only beginning of this guy's illustrious career. Man, he went straight from us out to Oklahoma, for mid south, and he became the biggest star in that territory's history as a babyface, though not as a heel, as he had been in Southeastern. And, uh, you know, he still used the name, the Junkyard Dog. Hmm. And oddly enough, after him being hung by Joe like that, as a part of his gimmick there, he always wore a dog collar, and it had a chain hung to it. Uh-huh. You know? And uh, and I got to thinking when I was thinking about the end of this match, you know, maybe it made him think of that last night in Southeastern every time <laughs> he put that dog collar <laughs> For on. For sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Southeastern tag, tag Champions uh, won their long-awaited championship match with Bob Armstrong and Robert Fuller, but only because Bob and Rob got disqualified for a change. They got carried away and hit the referee, and it, you know, that. So they they had to match one, and basically they went a little too far. So uh, both the tag boys, uh, Mister Knoxville and Bob Orton Jr., were bleeding in this match. I mean, they really had them rocking, man. And uh, they were happy that the match was stopped. They were happy that those guys made a mistake or they would have lost their belts that night. But it wasn't the end of their challenge. Uh, the next week, they're going to be forced to take on Bob and Rob again. But this time, it's going to be a no disqualification, man. And, uh, and it's going to be for the belts again. And uh, in my match, which was uh, not a title match, I won because the gorgeous George got involved in the match and he came in and tried to hit me. And uh, I ducked and he hit his own man. And I, I was already bleeding at this point. I was already hurt. The stomper had me pretty well beat up. He was ready to, uh, for me to uh, get Gorgeous George in there uh, before I got my, uh, my senses back. Anyway, <laughs> I was able to cover the stomper. I was bleeding. But as soon the instant that I raised my hand, Uh, Gorgeous George jumped in the ring, man. I was down, and he started pounding me. He pulled out his same thing he had hit his stomper with, and he hit me with it a couple more times. And uh, the ref rang the bell, you know, uh, uh, to start the match.
0: (laughs) For for the five-minute deal, right?
1: Yeah, for the five minutes. Yeah, You know, uh, know, George has already had two minutes blasting me before they even rang the bell, right? So the stomper... Was so out of it that he rolled out of the ring and, and fell onto the concrete. He's just laying outside on the concrete. So uh, I laid there, you know. Uh, the, you know he's he's out there for the entire five minute match. You know, and about halfway through the five minutes, I finally. Started getting my wits back again, and I began to do to do the Gigi what I'd promised I was going to do six days earlier. Man, I had that crowd in the amphitheater rocking and rolling. Man, I gave him so many bumps, man. <laughs> uh, you know, and, uh, and and then I and then I cracked him open. And he started bleeding. And I think it was the first time George had ever done that. Uh. And uh, so you know, this crowd was just really going crazy. So before the five minutes was up, had to be close to five minutes. I don't know exactly how much time was left. But the stomper kind of got his senses back. He kind of got up on his feet on the outside, and he watched, and he couldn't take it any longer. There's Gigi all bloody. So yeah. he, here he came, man. He, he hit the ring, and he started to help Gigi. And he nailed me from behind. And both of them, man, started putting the boots to me big time. And uh, it got really hot. Fans that were on that platform where the ring was in that amphitheater, they we were out of their seats, and they were coming to the ring. So Joe LaDuke came instead, man, uh, basically to prevent a riot. And uh, Stomper and Gigi, they they fled back to the dressing room. I got carried out. Uh, I was the third guy that night that had been carried out of the ring, man. That's most unusual. Wow. Bob Orton Jr., early in the evening, uh, Sylvester Ritter the junkyard dog and mm-hmm. me it had all been carried out and over 14 stitches in my head at the local hospital down there where i was becoming very familiar to the staff wow i knew the doctors that took care of me that 14 care of me a month earlier wow after garvin got to me so
0: so, so what did it up. what what did they hit you with to get 14 stitches in your head
1: Oh man, uh, you know they. There was all kinds of things that you. Obviously, if they'd had a chisel, that would have been the tool. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, that'll know? do it. It sounds yeah. like
1: a chisel cut to me, you know. But uh, uh he had. You, you really, I could never see what he actually had. Yeah. But uh, whatever it was, it was like he had a roll of uh, quarters <laughs> in his hand, man.
0: That's a – I mean,
1: he couldn't <laughs> hit that hard. There's no right. way he could hit that hard. You yeah. Know, but uh, but uh, you know, uh, I, I ended up uh, having. Having to get sewn up, man, and uh, you know, uh, uh, it it was a bad deal, but it was part of what it was all about.
0: That's a crazy night for southeastern fans. It's it's interesting too, how you say that Joe Leduc comes down and it sort of calms the crowd and keeps the crowd from getting involved. That's that's interesting.
1: Yeah, uh, you know what it is, Dave. Is uh, they know he's going to do the job better than they could,
0: right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you but <laughs> but they're that they're that engaged in this match, and there are no there are no boundaries or fences or anything that keep th- between them and the ring. Nothing. Yeah. No
1: barricades, no right. barriers of yeah. any kind back in the seventies. You didn't have anything around yeah. no pads on the floor <laughs> like they have nowadays. Right. Uh, you right. Know, it was all concrete. Uh, you went over the top rope, you land on that concrete, you knew it. And uh, you know it's uh, it was a different ball game back in those days.
0: Yeah, no, there's no soft way to hit the the concrete. Right? I, I'm just guessing that. All right, so I mean, you, the junkyard dog, and Bob Orton Jr. all carried from the ring. You said the junkyard dog was never coming back. So uh, how about you the following week?
1: Well. Uh- I'm going to I'm not coming back, either. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to miss two weeks there because uh, I got a severe concussion. And oh, doctors right away. They don't take them long. The concussion protocol and they say, oh, boy, well, you may be going to get sewn up, but you ain't going to be back in the ring for a bit. I mean, it, it really
0: is true when they say you guys are really giving up your bodies for the fans. And speaking of the fans, so how, how many were they were there that night? Surely this was a big night.
1: Well, you know, it, it, it was becoming common in the summer of 1977, man, to, to see that amphitheater full, man. It it seemed like every Friday night, the crowd just kept getting larger. Uh, that night it, it appeared to be again, one of the biggest of the summer, you know, no doubt. Uh, uh and then, and again, I couldn't get I, I, in that amphitheater and in that Chilhali park, I could never get accurate figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was always an estimate, but, uh, but I gotta think that it was well over six thousand in this one.
0: Is that because is that part of part of that is because of the grass area? Yes. And you you had that not there were not assigned seats in that area.
1: No, no, and you had that giant grandstand that that you didn't know exactly how many people could fit in there. Yeah. And then above that grandstand and off to both sides was all that grassy area yeah.
0: where,
1: uh, you know, maybe another thousand.
0: Wow! Good shit. it. Yeah. Oh you
1: know I man, it was like, it was a huge complex, uh, very, very large. But yeah. It, yeah. But I never. See- I don't. I never felt comfortable that uh, that uh, with the exact figures of what the house.
0: Was and, and I can certainly see why. All right, listen. I think it's time for our learning tree question today. Remind us who asked it and what was the question again, stud. Uh, uh, so let, let, where where do we go on that?
1: Uh, uh, a big fan. Uh, a guy that uh, has asked a question before—I'm I'm pretty darn sure—a guy named Todd Flynn. Todd Flynn, and Todd asked, uh, because of your shooting background, talking about me, is there an escape to the sugar hole? Hmm. So, you know, a uh, great question, Mr. Flynn. You know, uh, you know, when a group of us—I'm uh, going to let's go back to the when I first saw the snake pit. There was a group of us in the snake pit in Florida one day probably i think it was probably 1971 and uh we saw the sugar hole applied for the first time and uh, uh gordon nelson was the guy that applied it to, was an old shooter from england and and all we wanted to do after we saw it was to, to have him show us how to do it properly how to do it you know mm-hmm. And and i remember none of us asking how do you break it i mean how do you get out of it right I mean, right. that was, that was, you know, uh, you, you were, I don't know why, because in most holes, when you see it, then you want to know, how do you get out of it?
0: Right. Right. Uh,
1: but in this one, it was such a good hole that I don't think anybody even thought about, you know, how to get out of it. Describe, I just
0: wanted to know how to use it. Yeah. Describe the hold again, the sugar hold.
1: Oh, well, you know, you take a guy down on his, on his side and, uh, Uh, you're on top of him and you take your arm and you run it. uh, You get his arm over his head. You reach in for like a half Nelson. And once that one arm goes over his head, then you run your hand down behind his neck and you get your hand on his other arm and you pull it the same direction as that first arm.
0: Uh, So uh, he's got
1: both of his arms straight over his head Wow, and he's laying on his side And and he's pretty helpless at that point. And then you start to, to, uh, crank that arm you use that arm that you got behind his neck like a crowbar and when uh-huh. you're tearing something out of a wall right and you just start running your body around and the leverage just forces his head downward and uh and <laughs> and it cuts off the wind uh oh, it just it's a it's a horrible yeah <laughs> it's, it's a over. horrible horrible hope,
0: it's so. done Yeah, yeah,
1: it, yeah, it's that's it. It's it's done. And and this is
0: this is the same hole, by the way, that you put on the Mark who came into the ring and uh, uninvited, and then he decided that he had had enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, same, same hole. Yeah,
1: the the sugar hole. Yeah, you know, and uh, so uh, you know, uh, you you never, I I never ever saw anybody actually escape from the from the sugar hole. You Mm -hmm. know, and uh, but I did find it was. When I used it a lot, that uh, it was—it seemed to be less effective on somebody that had a thin build, whose arms were extremely limber, uh, you know. And uh, when you pointed them out that direction and you shoved them together, uh, their arms seemed to like be flexible. And uh, and it it it, made, it it. I got to thinking I used it so many times that the only person that maybe could get out of that would be a woman, uh. because her arms would be so flexible that you couldn't force her to be pain.
0: And how many times did you try it on, on ladies? No, I never, never, no, no, Dave, no, Dave. I didn't go there.
1: No, no, I didn't go there. I
0: couldn't stand it.
1: (laughs) No, no, probably a couple of them uh, maybe deserved it, but I never really tried. So, you know, so, uh, so, you know, but with the sugar hole, in my opinion, the bigger the body, the more effective the hole was, you know, the bigger the guy was, and the less flexible he was, the more painful it was for right, him, right. and the more damage you could do to him. So, but but I did hear something now, and this is really funny. And I got to tell you this, Mister Flynn. Uh, I heard that after I sold Southeastern to Jim Barnett and Fred Ward in Georgia, and I left Southeastern to go to Pensacola, uh, to my second territory, uh, the Knoxville Five that uh, was in competition against me in Southeastern in the war for Knoxville in 1979. Uh, they left Tennessee too, about that time frame. Uh, Bob Roop and Ronnie Garvin and Bob Orton, three of the five, uh, they went to work with Angelo Poffo in Kentucky, mm. a promoter in Kentucky.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Angelo Poffo was the father of Randy and Lanny Poffo. Yep. And I don't know if that, uh, if that, uh, really, uh, uh, gives you any uh, idea of one of those guys is one of the most famous wrestlers of all time. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah the Macho Man.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so, so Randy, Randy Savage, uh, so-called Randy Savage, uh, actually uh, started uh, big time as the Macho Man. Yep. So while in this territory now, uh, the Roop and uh, Garvin and Orton are up there in this territory. Um, that and that this territory, the Paphos had a had a reputation for feuding, for trying to steal territories, for trying to get other people's companies. So, so uh, I heard. Uh, you know, Bob Roop, I heard, was putting out a challenge to any fan that he could make them submit with a sugar hole, hmm. and they were offering money to anybody that could get out of it, okay? Right. This was up there in Kentucky after 1979. And I'm not sure about the amount of money they offered, but, but he definitely did do these challenges, and he worked with the Paphos while he was working with the Paphos. Now, he and I were both present with that first sugar hole show in and. Uh, and Florida in 1971 and in 73, we both were on the same tour in Australia and we were both accepting challenges from Australian fans out of the crowd every night in those arenas in Australia. And, uh, Roop was extremely proficient with the sugar hole. So there was one occasion that I heard of while these challenges were in effect with the Poffo company in which a fan actually escaped from Roop's sugar hole. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I also heard that when that happened, uh, whatever money he was supposed to be awarded, that didn't happen. He didn't get the money, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and, I, and I know that it probably went for a while. I heard that it he ended up in court somewhere about uh, them having to pay him, and they actually had to pay this guy. So, Mr. Flynn, you know, obviously, I wasn't there to see this happen. And, and therefore, you know, I can't absolutely say it happened because I didn't actually see it. But I would have loved to have seen it, believe me, because I always considered the hold almost inescapable. But maybe it isn't inescapable. So, uh, <laughs> so I encourage you, Mr. Flynn, uh, to do a little research for me, if not for you, about this incident, and uh, maybe verify if it ever happened. And if it did, uh, any or anybody else out there listening, if, if you can find out that it did happen, I'd love to revisit this subject again.
0: Well, this is a great a, question. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'd love to know if Roop actually had a guy escape from his sugar hole and uh, and what the money was and w- what what the end of this was.
0: Yeah, and was it a big guy? Was it a thin guy? That might have give, given something away as you were describing moments ago.
1: I have a feeling that it was a thin guy.
0: And I, <laughs> yeah. and I
1: have a feeling that he was very limber. Huh. You know, and, uh, that would have been to me, the only possible escape.
0: Wow. There you go. Hey, listen, I got to tell you, I love these stud It's amazing what comes up and what comes out of these shows. I may do my, I may do my own research. On this one. All right. Listen, folks, on Facebook, become friends with Ron on Facebook. Please do not go. This is unusual, but do not go to his Ron Fuller Welch Facebook page. It is full at this time and likely for a long period of time to come. Go to his Ron Fuller, the Tennessee Stud Facebook page. Simply follow him there and automatically become friends with a legend. On Twitter and Instagram, follow him on both at Ron Fuller Welch. Super Studcast number 43, part two, is now available. It is another wonderful tribute that Ron is becoming famous for. This time, the tribute is for his great friend, Paul Orndorff. Dr. D. David Schultz and Ron's brother, Robert Fuller, tell tremendous stories that give life again to the man known as Mr. Wonderful. Get this Super Studcast now at tnstud.com or patreon.com slash studcast. Three hours for only $2.99. Great wrestling video packages never grow old. Ask the fans. Definitely one of the best old-school DVD offers ever is still available. The Southeastern Continental Collectors Edition 5 DVD pack has 67 matches, more than 12 hours of tremendous action. Hundreds of fans worldwide rave about how good this 5 DVD set of pure wrestling history really is. If you only get one set of wrestling DVDs, you can't go wrong with this 5-pack. TNstud.com click stud store, get it for only 39.99 and that includes shipping. And Ron's highly acclaimed novel, Brutus, is like being on a tremendous roller coaster ride of thrills, never before experienced before in a book. It's an epic fight between bear and lion. It's only an example of the uniqueness of Brutus. Reviews tell the tale of what readers think. More than 50-plus five-star reviews. If you have not ordered this novel, you're missing Ron Fuller-Welch's real talent. Get yours now amazon.com brutus novel or the collectible autograph copy uh, from the stud himself at tnstud.com click stud store for only $29.99 with free shipping and don't forget the new authentic Tennessee stud mask Not a replica, but exactly what the stud wore years ago. Now at tnstud.com, click the stud store and own your piece of wrestling history. All right, and Ron has talked about it for weeks. It is now scheduled to begin. The first USA TV show ever. Ever with Gordon Soley and The Stud describing the action in one of the most acclaimed territories in wrestling history. This will rewind from 33 years ago. Subscribe now on YouTube, Southeastern Rewind. Ring the bell and begin the ride of your life this Sunday, August 15, 2021. Saddle up from the beginning and experience TV wrestling in sequence. And listen, I can't tell you how excited I am, Ron, to get my first look at one of these TV wrestling shows that few across America and around the world ever saw. Watching it from the beginning and in the order that the shows were produced is going to be unreal for wrestling fans everywhere. You're making this coming Sunday a huge day in wrestling history. So where do we ride and how do you top this next week?
1: Well, we're going to obviously have another Today's Training. And, uh, you know, I, I love these Today's Trainings because it gives me the opportunity to take fans on a ride as if they were wrestlers, promoters, or just involved in any aspect of the business of professional wrestling. So we're going to do uh, one of those the beginning of the show. The cards were just beginning uh, in uh, 1977. They were just getting better week by week. We enter the month of August where we're going to have Mr. Wrestling Number 2. We're going to have Don Defonse Fargo. Uh, we're going to have my family member, Roy Lee Welch, is going <laughs> to arrive in Southeastern for the first time. Uh, Ricky Gibson is going to return to Southeastern, and we're going to have many more stars. Uh, we built another great TV, just like we've been doing every week. We're going to get the results from the Knoxville card. We're going to get the attendance out to everybody, and we're going to finish with another learning tree. And uh, this next one is going to be about the recently deceased assassin, Jody Hamilton. Oh. And uh, the question is why he appeared in Continental Wrestling as the flame and not the assassin. So I can't thank fans enough, everybody out there for their huge support support of the YouTube channel. Uh, so far, I'm and I'm just blessed to have so many great followers. Thank all of you so much for your support. Uh, please take care of yourselves and others and, May God bless us all.
0: And God bless you too, Stud. This is David Summers thanking everyone for riding today and reminding you to saddle up again next week for another Studcast. Thanks for joining us today for this historic Studcast. The true story continues next week. So fool Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. One, two. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.